0: And she's like, oh, honey. And she just grabbed my face and motorboat me. So as my face was bouncing between her bodacious tata, I was like, I am never fucking gonna cock block myself ever in my life again.
1: Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled to have the Orgy King here with me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes um, me laugh too.
1: <laughs> Kenneth, you are an accomplished uh, speaker and author and teacher, and I'm excited to have you on. So thank you for being here.
0: I'm so excited to be on. I love you, already. and so it's my favorite topic.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, we're talking about sort of overcoming sexual insecurity today. And I'm curious to hear a little about sort of where you started from on that journey. I think that you're a brave and outspoken advocate for a lot of the things that they don't, don't always share publicly, but feel deeply, deeply, deeply inside. So can you share a little bit about sort of where you started from in terms of confidence around sex and relationships and things like that?
0: You know, it's funny, before they call me the RG King of the World, greatest sex hacker, I, I was a deeply, deeply insecure Asian immigrant who thought I have no hope. Because, you know, when you're growing up watching porn and Asian penises being the butt of the joke, that you thought if you born with an average cock, there's nothing you can do to change and fix that. So I live with this crippling insecurity. I remember the moment I like I was about to lose my virginity and all I could think about is that if I took it out, she would look and laugh at me like that is the thought that I that live inside of me for so long. And, and as a teenager, you know, I thought, you know, what if I work on other things? I get really fit. So I became super fit. I became a personal trainer, learned how to hack my body. Learn how to be a Marvel superhero, like lower your body fat, build muscle, etc. But nothing really changed that deep insecurity that I felt for most of my life. And so I know that journey so deeply personally, and I lived most of my 20 that way. And somehow now I'm like the world's most unlikely sex educator, like... (laughs) Uh, best-selling author on sexuality, and it really profoundly changed my life. And I'm now I just love sharing this lessons on people how to overcome those things. Yeah,
1: yeah. I want to slow down that moment because I think that's a profound thing you said about. I was worried that I would take I would take it out, and she would laugh at me. Mm-hmm. And I think that fear of humiliation. I I definitely hear that from my clients frequently that and mm-hmm. they don't put it in those words but you put it quite eloquently of the fundamental fear that i will be humiliated i will be mm-hmm. mocked i will be humiliated and i think that comes up i'm curious to hear from you because what i've found sometimes with clients is that that fear is driving all of their dating experience meaning they're afraid to even approach a woman because in their head, they know, okay, well, if it goes well, if we do end up in bed together, there's going to be this moment. And I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel that overwhelm. And so they don't even start the beginning of the process of relating with women because of that end. Did you find that at all? Did you notice that there was a hesitation to even get involved at all, because it was going to end up in that, in that scenario?
0: I live most of my like teenage life that way like I was a horny sexual kid I wouldn't do this for a living if I wasn't but I lost my virginity when I was 20 and I got in pretty good shape you know in my teens being on my swim team being a lifeguard and I, it's hard not to get lay being a fit lifeguard in Coney Island growing up so I managed to do that and so that it, that dot and that crippling insecurity just fed into all my like decision I go like I could be so cool but this part that I cannot change is never going to be good enough and that dot persisted for so long and thank God it's a freaking myth (laughs) so (laughs) Um, and also like I have seen so many people um, suffer for no reason because of sexual myth and what really makes you a spectacular lover and I would love to share like their mindset and the thought process to you all of this. I'm personal experience. And now, like, I mean, it's, a, I don't, it's not something that I want to brag about, but I have lived a very spectacular sex life. I have slept with probably a, uh, between clients and doing parties and stuff, probably a thousand people. So my sample size is quite large in my experience and is not what people think. So it's not like this statistic quoting only but from real live experience and seen so many other penises too
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes all the cocks um real cocks not the ones that we yeah Yeah. in porn because that's i do think is a big problem that men have a skewed they have a skewed sense of what they should look like in a similar way to what women have a skewed women also have a skewed sense of what they should look like but let's go back to when you when things started to shift so you're in your 20s. You still have this insecurity. It sounds like you are having sex, but there's a sense of I'm still afraid. I'm still sort of fundamentally afraid that I'll be judged. Is that is that true? And how did you then what was the next step? What happened next?
0: Well, a, a epic failed threesome at a sex party really changed my life, ironically. So. You know, I was still a horny kid and my early sex life is still filled with insecurity, no matter like what my partner said, it's fine, blah, 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 it's still in the back of my mind. So the idea is that you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough, you must compensate doing something else. So that persisted till I went to this, uh I went to this play party. It was my first one. I was, I was, again, very sexual, it was a monogamous relationship, it didn't really work for me. I met this girl who later became my girlfriend at that time, invited me to a sex party in Chicago. And that day I was like really excited. She set up a threesome. I was like, oh my God, all this dream is gonna come true. And in the back of my mind, I still remembering a teenager, go like, oh, you know, I always wanted to go to a sex party, but they're going to laugh at me showing up. It's like showing up a basket, you know, in my mind back in the day, I was like showing up a basketball court, like four, nine, four, nine, four foot, nine inches tall. That's the, that's the mind. That's the mindset. Right. So so I remember going in that day and I had a lot of work to do. So my friend gave me an and This is probably over uh, probably 15 years, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, probably around that time. And I never took an Adderall in my life, but I was like, this is awesome. I got all my work done. I'm going to the party. I didn't know the side effect because I couldn't get it up like for me, or at least the first time. So I remember entering this party. I was really nervous, about to have the threesome. They were both so beautiful and nothing worked. And I was horrified. And I went to the bathroom. I was like, hey, maybe I need to take a break. I thought it was nerves. So I went to the bathroom. I'm like giving myself that classic athlete locker room talk. I'm like staring myself in the mirror, slapping my cock and go like, wake up. You know, this is the time. This is the- <laughs> I'm trying to like summon all my Spartan 300 energy. Nothing. Nothing. My cat wouldn't get up. Um, and I was by myself. So I know something was like a little off, you know, it couldn't like, you know, anxiety could it's easier when you're by yourself. You could see like if, you know, something moves the needle, nothing. But at the same time, I was in that bathroom feeling all the pain that I put myself to a million times before. I had that feeling every day of my life for so long. Every time I talked to a girl in high school, every time I thought I got to get laid, I was like, this is my worst nightmare come true. And if I could live through that moment, then everything cannot be harder than this. So I I don't know why that epiphany was so strong within me, but I remember that is not going to define my life. You know, like I don't want this Pandora box open of this possibility of pleasure and fun. And my story is that I failed at a threesome, so I never went back. So I summoned all my courage, walk back out and just like, hey, you know, this is really embarrassing. It's my first time, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen tonight. And both of them were extremely gracious. It's like, okay, it happens to everyone, blah, blah, blah. And so we went on and kind of uh, enjoying the party and just experience the scenario. it was beautiful. And I love boobs. And this woman, one of the hosts, just half her top, you know, her breasts out her whole evening with this beautiful dress. And I just walked up to her and go, like, hey, you know, like, it's my first party. I'm not sure what the etiquette is. I just think your breast is so beautiful. And she's like, oh, honey. And she just grabbed my face and about me. So as my face was bouncing between her bodacious tata, I was like, I am never fucking going to cock block myself ever in my life again. And I just were so determined that if I ask for what I want, I get it right sometime. And it's not about not taking rejection, but not rejecting yourself. Reject, receive, I mean, take your rejection gracefully. You're going to get rejected in life. It happens. But I'm not going to be the one who's doing it because I have that choice. And that moment kind of forever changed my life.
1: Oh, my God. The motorboating. It's just so that's such a lovely story because I love the way that you approached her of like, hey, it's my first time. I don't know the etiquette. I just think your breasts are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she really received that. Yeah. I just think there's something really lovely about sometimes the space that's created around the safe space that can be created around sexuality when you have uh-huh. open-minded people and the uh-huh. way that you approached her was really, hey, here's my desire. And it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't I need this thing from you, or I'm trying to be really cool, or I'm way up in my head. It's more like, I think you're really beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That's just true for me. And she really received that. So I think there's something really special about that, but the, I want to go back to that moment of, um, I'm basically living through my worst nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. That moment of you're in the bathroom. I've had a similar moment of, this is basically the worst thing that could happen to me. It's my worst fear and it's happening right now. And I'm wondering, you know, when you, when you work with, with clients or with you know, people that you're mentoring, do you ever simulate that moment for them? Is there a way to, to, to create that for someone when it's not actually happening?
0: I don't know if it's like phobia when you want to expose them to their worst fear possible. However, I think most of the pain is that we generate it internally rather than experience it externally. So I do think the world is not all peach and sunshine and rainbows all the time. But I think the lesson for me at that moment was that I don't want that rejection, right? Or they didn't really reject me. it just my dick didn't work at that moment. But I don't want that to be the defining moment for the rest of my life. And I have had that fear define most of my life up to that point. So it was just an epiphany that like, fuck, either way, like I could live on my three, fear. I could have not show up for this party thinking I could have not walked into it or not have a threesome, not have everything that could possibly happen to me. So I am not going to let their internal rejection dictate my entire life experience. And I think that was the really powerful lesson for me. And I live my life fiercely, not fearlessly, with courage to deal with all my fears like for the last next decade and it really profoundly changed my life. So, so I think that's the lesson.
1: It sounds like it was a turning point. And, and from that place, you know, you did a lot of study and research around sexuality. Can you walk, walk me through that a little bit of that was, it feels like you turned a corner at that party. And then what happened after that?
0: Okay. So let's address the penis size. Cause that's, that's, that's the, that's the penis in the room. <laughs> that's the pink penis in the room. So first thing about penis size, I learned so much about the myths that bigger is better. So when you watch porn, what you see is that you're seeing a basketball game that in porn, because it's a, it's hacking of, of our visual system. So, you know, it's transferred to a digital screen, right? You're watching it as a video and audio and for it's just like no different than watching a burger game commercial. You see that burger, it looks fucking great. You know, it's garbage, but you still go like, Ooh, that makes me hungry. Right. Like, like that is the technology. <laughs> like that burger on screen, you might eat it and die. Like that's how, 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 how fake that burger is. Right. And they're not saying big dick doesn't work, right? For some women, there is a preference, but we're talking about, you know, if bigger is better, then all the lesbian would buy the biggest dildo in the world, and then they would have the best sex ever. That is not what happens. So that's the first thing. Also, is is the way I the way that I learn about statistics. Like, here's all the bell curve of penis size. You have some outliers, right? Most people are not like six, seven or a seven, one, like the shack or whatever the case may be, but you see the outlier and you think the outlier, right. On the height and also most vagina cannot fit a, a seven, one penis height. I mean, a that is true. In there. So and verify. yeah. Yeah. Some of vulva vagina to penis standpoint, most people on the planet fits and most of their genital are extremely pleasurable and have orgasmic potential right? The pairing between the key and the lock. And yet we think life is a basketball game and we only could win if we are tall already. So that is like completely not true. The second part is that there is the pleasure gap or the orgasm gap is a skill gap. So what is different on that bell curve is how hard people are willing to learn and work. That's what separates the crowd, not necessarily what you are born with. So if majority of people on the bell curve, so if you have a penis from uh, anywhere from four and a half, so you have, you know, you go like less of, uh, so the middle is four and a half to six and a half. Like to say that's 50% of the population and majority of people are around there in the 75 percentile. You are, you, you are walking around. So I'm five, nine, right? So I'll walk around like I'm four eleven. That's what I think in my head most of the time. And because of watching porn and et cetera. And it's really mind blowing how much pleasure uh, my cock is 5.6 inches. So it's right in that average on, on that center of that bell curve. And. It is amazing how much pleasure that it could produce. And like, it's also a preference level. I like big boobs, right? And big boop is uh, later on that bell curve side, like natural big boobs are that side too. So it's not necessary. It's a visual system compared to pleasure. And I know definitively, if you're awesome at giving orgasm and pleasure, it's like just having great food at the restaurant. If the food is actually great, the line is out the door. So (laughs)
1: Well, what I love about this too is, you know, I, I've done a lot of sex research myself, specifically on women and it, and it tracks, you know, when you ask women, when I have asked women about the men who are best in bed, I think that 95% of them did not talk about penis size, 95%. When you ask them about what did the men who were best in bed do, or what were their skills were their characteristics Penis size doesn't even rate in the top five. Mm -hmm. Other other qualities rate. You know, seventy percent of women talked about he took his time. He took his time. Mm He he savored me. They use all these different words, but seventy percent talked about that versus five percent who talked about penis size. But that's not shown in porn. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. that women's desire. You know, porn is mostly produced and. And created and consu- and consumed by men. And it's not, so it's not representative of, of the woman's experience or or the female body. So to your point, my experience has consistently been that the men that actually take the time to learn about how to have sex with a female body well do much mm-hmm. better. So I remember one, one guy who took my course came back and said, he said, Yeah, I went down on this woman and she said, wow. You're really good at that. He said, I've never gotten that feedback before. I've never gotten that before in my life. It's mostly just been, "Mm, mm," you know, just sort of a tepid response. And he thought that was just how it was. And then when he started changing his technique and slowing down and being more gentle and just doing the things in my course, he got a completely different response. He was like, holy shit, (laughs) this is really different. And it's not that hard, but it's also not taught in places like porn. So sex educators like you, you know, are out there sort of training people on here's how it actually works. Instead of if you're repeating what's going on in porn, you're probably not going to be bringing women very much pleasure.
0: Yeah. And that's why I spend so much time kind of um, infusing their or stuff that I learned in the fitness industry and teaching people literally how to, it's one thing to tell them, you know, most of your cock and, and vagina will fit. Right. And it's, it's actually more important. That is, is genital compatibility. Is it a pleasure fit? Just like the right shoe for your feet. Like if it fits well it's great. Now every straight man out there, think of your asshole right now. Have you never been pegged in your life? Think about the porn star you just saw. Do you want that cock in your ass <laughs> the first time? <laughs> there is a pleasure fit, right? So think, feel it from your asshole. I'm not saying that you wouldn't love it, right? You do have to do a lot of asshole yoga to get it up, get it in there. It's possible, just like it's possible for you to stretch your hamstring so much that you could put your leg over your head, but it's, it's up to you, right? That is, it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's more pleasurable. On top of it, there is so many uh, sexual techniques right, that really increase the pleasure of the penetrative sex. So if you have a couple of warm orgasm, it makes their penetrative sex so much better, so much more pleasurable. And you have so much uh, endless orgasmic potential. And I feel like same thing that I look at fitness. Most people don't realize their fitness potential. It's the same way that you wouldn't know how many push up or pull up they could do if they never trained a day in their life. They, you know. So imagine you, there's some area that you could actually adopt a growth mindset, learn the training, learn the right technique. And unfortunately, the bar is set really low because we all rob of a good sex education, right? It's too much it's too much like just uplifting positive message without the how to. That's why I spent so much time on the how to like literally like they say, every woman is different. Just don't, don't confuse complexity, right. As something that is not achievable. Like how do you deal with this complexity? Life is complex, but at the end of the day, I actually don't know female pleasure is that complex is I guess it's in the beginning. It feels complex, but once you overcome, you dial all those things in, right? And it just works like magic and is remarkable.
1: Well, yeah. And you mentioned, cause you do have quite a data set. You've slept with a lot of women. I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, if you could share some tips about, about turn on. So what have you learned about how to turn on women? Because like you said, women are different, right? Everyone's different, but there are certain trends. There are certain similarities. So, what would you say about how to turn women on?
0: Well, you have to to give you some basic framework and context. The biggest sex organ is between your ears, right? So that's your brain. So you could think about like your brain, your heart, and your genital, right? And then obviously your entire body encompasses the whole central nervous system. And being a neuroscience nerd, and I put a lot of neuroscience. And not neuroscience, like you want to learn in a science lecture, but neuroscience that you could apply, like real scientific tools. But let's start with the brain. You have to be aroused. You have to be relaxed enough and excited enough. That's the key of this magical flirting, a little bit of tension, a little bit of the unknown, but a little bit of the safety. So how do you create that like perfect optimized arousal in the foreplay? How do you tease and excite? So much happened. You see, dick pic doesn't work for for most straight women. It's because it's not it's not game. It's not designed this way. For because of you know, there's many studies that talk about how uh, mate selection happens in our species. Women select who their mate is, but they also need to attract their mate. So your job is to make her feel hot, make her feel like the hottest thing in the world. (laughs) If she feel like she's the sexiest motherfucker ever worked on earth (laughs) and you're just like losing your shit over her and because that she wants you to, then the magic happened, right? Those whole desirability standpoint and also safety. Safety is not just like negotiating consent, but if you don't create safety, you're not in your sympathetic nervous system, rest and digest. And that's where arousal happens. So if you could layer their their seduction to the consent, to the arousal piece, all in that first part, you win most of the battle. And then you add a little bit of the emotional connection. You want the heart. They have to know that their well-being is the priority, Above it all, above your desire, above anything that you want to do, their well-being, you, your priority is their well-being. If you could create that safety and you actually have integrity to execute it, then you win. You unlock another door. You unlock, uh, unlock another gate. And then when she's in her mind feeling sexy as fuck, feeling safe as fuck, right? and feeling desire, she's already, t- like you won most of the battle from, from that point on. And the last bit is that you wanna make sure you're touching area that leads to orgasm, stimulating orgasm. And and unfortunately, we don't teach this in sex head enough that if you could pair genitals, so penis to clitoris, and you could understand her clitoris like you understand your penis, then it totally makes sense. Now, the head of your penis is the same as the head of her clitoris, the external side under the hood, the pee in the pod, right? And the bulbs are like the shaft of your penis, right? And all the internal bits, like her cervix and G spot, is like your prostate or deeper into your anal cavity. Now, I want you to think straight men imagine you're about to have sex. This woman say, I'm going to peg you. You never had anal sex. And I expect you to have an orgasm without ever touching your penis. Do you think you can have an orgasm without ever touching the head of your penis? If you cannot do it, don't expect most women to do it. Some can, just like some gay guys could have a spectacular orgasm without ever touching their penis. It's very rare, actually, among gay men, too. So. Once you understand that the likelihood of achieving orgasm is touching the clitoris externally, consistently, rhythmically, in the right amount of calibration, and you get the motion of the ocean, then the rest of it is kind of Christmas. There's so many ways to have orgasms, right? But that is the basic point. So external sensation and internal sensation respond to pressure better than in and out. Fiction doesn't work as well for, for most people. And also, if you get arousal, if she's feeling super turned on, super safe, and you're touching her without breaking the fucking rhythm. And what I mean by that is so frustrating. Most men think things are finally going, right? You feel the erotic cues. She's giving you feedback and you decide to change some shit. Don't be a terrible musician. Play, (laughs) keep the song on beat. Stay on key, motherfucker. So if you could do all of that, it's pretty much magic. And there's a million techniques that I could show you is much easier to show you on my videos and my books because they have graphic and they're all like in motion. But at the end of the day, if you could combine all of those things, it's pretty magical.
1: I I just want to corroborate so much of what you said. (laughs) The fucking rhythm is so perfect. I've definitely had many, many instances of like, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And then he changes something. So I'm like oh. it's not the time. Yeah, and I've talked to my my women friends about it and it's it's like the crest of a wave. I don't know how many listeners are surfers, but it feels much like surfing when you're paddle 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 and you're almost mm-hmm. on the wave. You've almost you you're right there and then you fall off the wave. And now you have to wait for the next set of waves. You know, there's a whole yes, I'm looking at a graphic. I represent
0: I I'm represented orgasm with waves for that reason it on my yes,
1: and there's yes, and so then you have to kind of there's you, you sort of have to wait for the next wave a little bit. Like it was really close. <sighs> and now you're waiting for the next wave, and so I love that. I also love oh my gosh, what you said about her needing to feel sexy. So in in my sex research, when I was talking to women about turn on, something that came up consistently was. Um, he made me feel sexy. He made me feel beautiful. He, there was a lot of, I felt desired by him. I felt seen by him. And some women would talk about, you know, he, he would text me during the day before we saw each other or the, everything that they were indicating was, I felt special. I felt special in some way to this person, to this man. And It's so interesting what you said about well-being, because I really love the genre chick, chick lit, chick literature, which is somewhat Mm -hmm. demeaning term. But it's basically literature written written by women about women for women. And Mm -hmm. so it's not romance novels, but they often have themes of romance and sexuality and everything. And when you read those books, I've often thought I should refer my clients to these books because it's how women want to be treated they write their male characters in the way they want to be treated and what i've realized repeatedly is it's exactly what you said it's that the men in those books have a woman's well-being as as the highest priority so yes i want to have sex with you right now but if you're not feeling well i'm that's not happening tonight we we're going to do other stuff and it and it mm-hmm. and so i feel this sense of safety i'm like oh my god he's so amazing and and that sense of he's got my back makes me want to open my pussy to him that, that there's like a very direct, not, I'm not saying all the time, but there's a, there's a direct correlation between me feeling safe with a man plus turn on is like, big opening versus I feel like he wants sex from me. And I'm just sort of here as a body. I'm sort of here as I could be a sex doll. Like the opposite of that is I don't feel special. I don't feel seen. I feel like I could be anyone. He doesn't really know me. And that. So what you said is so important. That part about, um, her feeling sexy, right? her, her feeling sexy is part of her turn on. It's part of yeah. her turn on. It's intricately involved in her turn on circuitry. And it's not this aside, right? It's like, oh no, that's, that's part of what gets her wet.
0: Yes. It like, like, I mean, I'm being honest. Most straight men don't give a fuck about lingerie. Like, we really don't. But make sure you compliment on her lingerie. <laughs> like, use your brain. <laughs> just like you don't care how much I bench press and squat. <laughs> you could care fucking less. We do this shit for our own, like, uh, you know, guys do it for guys and women do it for women. But at the end of the day, but recognize where the driving motivation is. It is really about mate selection that we have to, we can do. If you just think we're out in the savannah right here's all the women and the, and then the tribes are kind of small the guys have to compete for the mate selection the woman ultimately gets to pick you know who they be with right you know for a functional tribe to happen so she have to both feel wanted and desirable and then she's choosing the selection so you both have to be a badass too you cannot just be harmless that is not sexy you just want to be a dangerous person who doesn't cause harm <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> so great because I, that also really, really tracks with, with my research and women would talk about him being in his power. Right. and yeah. And they would use different words for it, whether it was confidence or it was, I could feel his attention on me or, you know, it, it's like that sense of. In my work, I call it the heart energy and the cock energy. And you really want both of those to be online. And Uh for a lot of men, only one or the other is online. And that's why Uh it doesn't feel good to be with a man. Because if he only has his heart energy, he doesn't have his cock energy, then I'm going to, I'm probably going to friend zone him. I feel really close to him, but I don't feel his drive. I don't feel his, I don't feel his sex. I don't feel his desire. And, and then the opposite is kind of a fuck boy. If I can only feel his cock energy, I can't feel his heart. It's like, oh, you, you are not going to take care of my heart. You can't even take care of your own heart. I can't feel, I can't feel you there. So I don't feel safe. And I don't, I don't want to mess around with that. When a man has both. Oh my God. It's pretty Mm -hmm. incredible. It's pretty incredible. And, and I feel like, you know, you are someone who it feels like has, has integrated both. And we've touched Mm -hmm. on that a little bit, but I'm curious if you can Go back and maybe this involves how you got your moniker as the Orgy King. But <laughs> how did you? You know, you. It sounds like you studied a lot, but how did you actually? Was it just practice? Just practice? Just getting out there? What no, happened?
0: it's both. It's both. It's studying and practicing. I mean, like I really deliberate practice is so important. Like I'm such a nerd. You're trying to improve the things that actually move the needle. Like all the other stuff it just like for for recreation. Just like training. <laughs> There's only certain things that actually change your body. Most of the up is recreation. So, so I want you people to think of like the Twilight series. You want the vampire who could kill you and don't kill you, and who loves you and like longs for you and protect you, just like the werewolves. You know when. It, eat you but don't eat you (laughs) it's it's a sexy energy if you combine the yin and yang together and for me is I always have this kinky dominant side inside of me but I always been their best friend who got friend zone I never thought that part of me is desirable there's a lot of Chinese value into that too we never like American football player quarterback energy is not like what perceived as like the cool one so there's a cultural difference within that, but I never realized that part of me is very strong that I've been suppressing all my life because I thought I wasn't enough, no matter what I do, I can't change my cock. So I cock block every areas of my life. So when I unleash my cock energy, my true essence, it was so fucking attractive. It, it, and I find it very attractive because it's learning how to integrate both part, right? Because ultimately I still could output your well being first. And then I could let that energy shine. It's not the same cocky bullshit impress you energy is confidence to competence. You know, I just um, I just uh, was interviewed for my book and there was a line I go like, you could be fucking Jeff Bezos in the boardroom. It does not transfer into the bedroom. But when you are Michael Jordan on the basketball court, it feels fucking good. When you're Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen, it fucking feels good. And you could develop those skills in the bedroom. And it always feels good because you know how to handle your business within that game. So sexual competency is key. It's not just a talent. Like if I don't born with a porn star cock, I don't have an instant erection that I could jackhammer for hours. Most of the time, that's not the way to orgasm. Imagine your asshole again. Imagine your assholes, again, being jackhammered by a hard cock that will bang you for 20 minutes in your asshole, okay? Never touching your cock. It's most likely will not do the job for, for most of your assholes. <laughs> assholes out there, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: It's so real. It's so real. I'm So I'm curious because I know this is going to be a question that some listeners have. <clears throat> if there are men out there who feel like, Well, that sounds fucking great. I would love to study and practice, but I don't, I feel like it's hard for me to get practice partners. What would you say to men who are like, I would love to practice on a bunch of different women, but I'm not, they're not showing up. I don't have a line out the door of sexual partners. How did you navigate that? And how do you recommend other men do?
0: I think education should perceive your experience first. Like, you, you don't want to watch freaking Fifty Shade of Grey and then go buy a bunch of rope at Home Depot and go like, I want to try this on you. Like, you've got to get some basic education. You won't go survival camping without reading a freaking manual. Like, you have to get some baseline education. In the door is not like let me know nothing and go through trial and error. Who the fuck wants to tr- let you trial error with the asshole? Like it's not gonna happen. So, so always think of your asshole as <laughs> what can what can you do to earn anal trust is the first thing. <laughs> so the second thing is find a there's so many sex positive. Um, communities, such as the one that I co-founded, Hacienda. There's tons of rope events. Go to your local sex toy store. They know events are happening. Go to a kink event. Go to some of those events and find like-minded people who share the same value about sex and education. And also when you have competence, right? When you go on a Tinder app and you know, your job is not to send her a dick pic. Your job is to Not immediately make her feel like sexy, but create some safety, create some intellectual curiosity, learn how to flirt because those are all competency that you can master. And I'm, you know, it it, it makes me crazy. Like I am 40 now and in my 20s, it really might take one semester worth of education in order for you to be like the 5% world-class performing level. That's how sad this, you know, is such a hidden information. I'm really trying to change that. But one semester in, in college will make you the, one of the most desirable lover out there. That's how much learning that you need to do. And once you start learning, when you practice, you know what to practice. So you improve in this rapid skill acquisition standpoint. So I have so many virgin who bought my course and go, I'm so afraid to fuck the first time. Oh my God. Oh my God. And they watch my videos. They're like, I got this. (laughs) So.
1: Yeah. I I appreciate that because I, I, I have a similar perspective of, I don't think it would actually take very long to teach. And I'm just going to use men and women, however Mm -hmm. you identify, but to Mm -hmm. teach men about female bodies, right. That female Mm -hmm. bodies are different from yours and, Many of them require a lot less pressure. The way that you stroke your cock is not the way that we want to be touched a lot of the time. And to your point, you know, slowing it down so that I think there's such a, there's such a drive to sort of talk about the physical, physical parts, but 50%, 50% of it is before that 50% of it is like, we've talked about the putting attention on her and how female turn on actually works. I don't think it would take that long to teach and it would have drastic results that would be long lasting and have men, frankly, feel a lot more confident. So that point about, you know, uh, practice, I think another thing to sort of bring up is you can practice flirting, for example, without anyone's clothes coming off. And this is something we teach in our courses, just flirt with the cashier, flirt with the woman on the bus, right? Just start bringing your sexual energy out a little bit in the world. Just practice that. Just practice being with your own. Like you said, not cock blocking yourself anymore. And it doesn't have to go anywhere. You don't have to ask out the cashier. You don't have to do anything about it, but just breathe and be with all of yourself with a woman and, and start practicing that. So that when you're with someone you find attractive, you can do it instead of, oh, my God, I'm totally blown out and overwhelmed. I don't even have a frame of reference. Did you find that that was helpful for you when you were sort of, I don't know, building up your sexual repertoire?
0: Absolutely. I mean, to your point, is really not about see if your intention is to get something from a woman, they feel it immediately. If your only job is to make her feel good about herself. If you have that intention, you win most of the battle. If she's feeling great, like she remember how you make her feel and nothing else. They don't care about how impressive you are and all the other stuff. If you make her feel good, make her feel safe, make her feel like her day is better because you walked into it, then that flirting energy is super, super seductive. And back to the touching part, you know, I I hate, sometimes it drives me crazy because The sex ed industry could really learn a lot from the fitness industry. You got to give people some framework and protocol. It cannot be just feel her body. It's not a good answer. Just like when you are in an argument and tell her, relax. (laughs) No one relaxes. (laughs) It's bad instruction. So what is good instruction then? So you have to learn. Like, okay. So the first thing is that you have to bet on the right bet. We talked about touching her clitoris is touching in your penis. So touch your clitoris, but how to touch the clitoris. There's a couple of moves that based on study is the lowest hanging fruit. So I use a lot of this card counting concept. Like when you, people who wins in Vegas, that don't even allow them to gamble. They're so badass. is that they create a mathematical formula. They could bet on the highest winning bet. The, par- the probability. So you start with the highest probability, general population works for the most people. And then you just do two things do that thing first, start from there. Second thing is learn how to calibrate. Calibration is just how much you salt your food. Everybody varies slightly, but there's the point of too salty and not seasoned enough. If you learn how to find that right sweet pleasure spot, do calibration where you learn how to read erotic cue. Right, you learn how to sink in, so you have the rhythm, like you're flowing. Which I'm talking about the different stages that I mentioned in the book, and then once you get all of that and you gain enough competence, then you could like self-express and be creative. But it's not a. I don't. I, I don't want to make it sound like magic because it's so. It's so. It, it really is so easy to learn. It's actually really simple. And it even don't take that much effort because it's freaking pleasurable, like teaching people fitness takes so much longer because losing weight and gaining muscle takes fucking time and effort. This one is so quick.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I would just add to that in terms of it's just like when you're salting your food, when it comes to touching a woman's clit, for example, start out with less, always start out with less, the lightest touch, the softest touch, start out with less and then build. That's what I think I see in porn that feels bad, most of the time is the pressure feels like way too much too fast, and I I find myself cringing sometimes when I watch porn. I'm like, ow, ow, ooh, ow. I know that would hurt. I know that would ooh, ow, ow. I know that would hurt, and I'm, I'm imagining men not realizing it would hurt because the women don't they don't show that part, and so they're like, oh, that's how you do it. You just stick your finger up her vajayjay right away. I'm like, no, that's like. That's after she's turned.
0: on. <laughs> yeah. yeah after her, part. she's engorged. Yes. yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. I'm like, she's not ready yet. That would actually hurt. Whereas if you start out soft and light and gentle over her panties, then under her panties, right. And you're building the fire, then she's going to be ready. And then it's going to be pleasurable, but the way they show it, it's too fast and it's too hard. And it's most of how people are being educated about, or specifically men are being educated about sex, which is, you know, we're trying to change that. So in that spirit, tell us more about your work and your book and what you're up to in terms of education.
0: You know, unfortunately, sex ed is too fast and infuri- too fast and too furious. It's like learning how to drive by watching the fast and the furious. to physics doesn't make any sense, but there's a way to to do it. Like all the concept we talk about is like layering. OMGs talks a lot about like having clothing over. Don't start directly on the clit, work your way around it. And then you calibrate by slowly escalating. When I mean by slowly, I'm talking about two, three minutes not slowly like two hours. Like people get it confused. You have to start off slow. It's not like a long time. It's two, three minutes of calibration. You have to not, she. so if she has to cringe, if you think about that, like reading that erotic you, she doesn't feel safe. And she's like questioning if you could read the erotic cue. So read the freaking erotic cue, slowly, like work your weight up. And then you kind of like slow work your weight up and you work up to the point that it feels like, ow, and then go back down a little bit. It's a sweet spot. Most of the time, everybody's different. So you go on this curve and then you go back down and that's the zone that you work in most of the time and stay within rhythm in that zone. So. In my book, I really talk about literally how to do those things in the most literal sense possible. And uh, I don't know if you have gotten a copy yet of the book, but there's QR codes throughout all the pages that goes back to my website with really clear instructions on how to move from a 3D internal perspective to external movement. Because I taught fitness for a really long time, like, like penis angle, how to angle it exactly, how to calibrate. And so the whole sex hacking method is um, there's a method to the madness. You really, there's a way to do it. And there's a way for, I would say for majority of the population to be a spectacular lover. And guys, this is the only time like women are demanding good sex. They're not going to put up with your bullshit, faking an orgasm for you anymore. Right. It's not happening. The world is changing, right? The marketplace is bigger. The, Okay, the winner. You would think that people with their with their fast cars and all the money, yes, they might win the attraction game. But when it comes to the sex game, if you're really good in bed, you'd be such a sought after lover. If that's what you desire. Or you could love. You could really love the women who you're trying to love. And it's so heartbreaking to see the men. Like I coach so many couples, and all they need to do is change a little bit. Like in one session that I see in my life, I see like a couple have been struggling with sex for five, 10 years, instantly recalibrate. So it works. You just been salting the foot wrong. You just bringing the, the heart energy with no cock energy, just calibrate it a little. And you, it's like, I don't know if you've seen that show recently on Netflix. It's called Master D for something like that. It's about the Vegas zombie movie when this person has to crack open saves. He listens to it. Is that you just have to develop that skill when you learn how to listen to that save until it clicks and everything clicks, it just opens. So I want to teach the people that skill and how to make sure they find all the clicks and it opens and it's really magical. I
1: like that. Yeah, because the safe, because safe cracking is essentially about attunement. You're slowing down, you're listening very closely, you're paying attention, and then you're you're finding that sweet spot. You know when you can't slow down. And pay attention when you're in your head. When you're worried about, oh shit, am I doing it right? Am I big enough? Is she having a good time? Is this working? You're in your head. You're in your you're in your experience. And the the sex research that I've done has consistently been, he I felt him with me. I felt his presence he was really with me he was attuned to me he was with me that depth of presence is similar to cracking a safe cuz you're slowing down you're really yep. listening you're you're totally present in the moment listening for those small cues and sounds instead of <clears throat> oh shit am i doing it right if i don't crack the safe are they going to think i'm a stupid bad criminal right <laughs> if you're all over here in your head you're not going to crack the safe you're not going to you're not going to you're not going to do the thing so a lot of it is a lot of it is, you know, about, yeah, your actual presence in the moment, not just your technique. It's, it's, and it's this and that, and I love what you said about calibrating and helping a couple calibrate because that, that sense of, you know, one thing that came up a lot in my sex research was how hard it is for women to say, ow, that hurts. That hurts. That's too much. It's too much pressure. I I don't feel that. You're, You're numbing out my clit. Things like that, because they don't want to shut the man down. They don't want him to feel rejected. And the stakes get even higher when it's okay. We've been together for six months now, or now we have children together. You know, for him to feel criticized in bed, it's going to affect all these other things. And I don't want. I love him. I right. I don't want to shut him down. I don't want him to feel rejected. So I'm going to hide my truth about how I'm not feeling pleasure in bed. It feels so overwhelming to, to give him feedback that a lot of women don't end up doing it. And that's what shows up in the research of, I tried telling him a few times it didn't work. And I broke up with him, right? It's 64% of the women in my research said I've broken up with a man because of the sex. 49% of men said that more women have broken up with a man because of the sex than the opposite. And I think this is part of why, because Even when a woman tries to speak up, if he's not listening, if he's not deeply listening, like that safe cracking and adjusting, she's some women are going to walk versus if he's paying attention and he's like, oh, I didn't know that was too much pressure. Like, how's this speed? How's this pressure? It builds so much connection and trust and pleasure. That it it brings the couple together. So I'm I applaud you for that work because I think that there's so many couples where just some some calibration makes a huge difference.
0: I mean, that's why I named the book Beyond Satisfy: a Sex Hexer's Guide to Endless Orgasms, mind-blowing connection is what we're really talking about deep, deep connection. And that's how, and lasting confidence That's how you get the confidence. And the connection piece is really key because if you don't have the knowledge and the skill and what to listen for, then you in your head more often, if you know what to listen for, then you just inflow. Just like if you learn how to fish, if you know that sensation in your body, when it tingles or when it clicks just a little, we know how that feels then you know what to work with. If you are never trained to look for that sensation, you just don't know how to do it. And there's so many, you know, that's why I call it sex hacking because there's many ways to do it. If if you're the one who is asking for feedback, then you already encourage her to give feedback. And and for for women listening out there, it's also like, it's not, Like it is proven that praises work better in a sexual context, right? So if you say, oh, it feels so good when you touch me so slowly, you do positive reinforcement, but then men could get smarter in a hetero context and go like, hey, does it feel better when it's softer or a little bit harder? Tell me when it's just right. It's so sexy when you say that. So do positive reinforcement on both sides. You want to calibrate. Like you want to salt the food correctly. Like, why wouldn't you want to? Why do you want her to eat this salty ass food or bland ass food the whole time? Nobody wants that. And it feels fucking great to be awesome than that. And it's not that hard. And it's not um, about your dick.
1: That's a great, that's a great soundbite. I love that. So where can people find you if they're <clears throat> interested in your work and the book and all of that?
0: So you can find me at KennaPlay.com. My course is the Sex Hacker Pro where I have over 70 plus video, nine modules from squirting, anal, kink, penetrative sex, full play, anything that you could think of. And then my new book that just came out on Valentine's Day is called Beyond Satisfy. You can find that on my website at KennaPlay.com as well. And the book is like a great place to start. The course is really remarkable. And I give a beyond satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it, it doesn't work for you. I'm happy to give your money back, but do everything you can to invest in yourself. Don't cock block yourself. Don't reject yourself anymore. I'm so dyslexic. Like, I'm not even kidding. If you ever text me, it doesn't make any sense. Right. But I learned by using the same energy, I managed to write a book with this incredible team that I put together. So I don't want anything to stop me from doing something. Like I want the world to reject me. So if nothing else, if this is not about sex, if you do, if you learn anything from this, adapt for growth mindset, don't reject yourself. And who else is more worthy of your investment? I really don't know.
1: I love it. (laughs) Let's wrap there. That was perfect. (laughs) Hey guys i mentioned my sex research a few times during this episode and just wanted to remind you that i actually have a streaming course available based on my sex research called please her in bed a course for men designed by women you can find that on my website melaniecurtin.com under courses and if you use promo code dear men that's all one word dear men you will get the course dropped from 97 to 69 dollars